Alrighty, so shall we crack on? Shall we get on with um, week number one of our, uh, of our series? And it's, it's entitled The Juno Dilemma. And that's a pretty catchy title because nobody knows what I'm talking about right now, do you? The Juno Dilemma. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, um, years ago there was a movie by that title called Juno. And uh, the story goes of uh, basically the story of a young woman, a teenager, I think, and she gets pregnant. And she goes through this process of working through, as, as any teenage uh, person would, would go through being pregnant, of what to do, like how to navigate her way forward. And, sh- and so she asked the question first, maybe she should get an abortion and she discounted that idea and she moved forward. She just thought, well, look, I'll, I'll try and adopt the baby. So um, she goes through that. But the problem for her was um, she came from a dysfunctional home herself. So her parents, all she knew really was dysfunction. And then she finds herself pregnant. And her current partner, their relationship's completely dysfunctional. There's nothing good going on there. Not only that, she meets a couple who are willing to adopt the baby great. The problem with that is that that couple too are just really dysfunctional. And she's really wondering to herself, how can she let go of her her baby to this couple who really have their own issues to to work through? And so you can see it's a messy situation. But about two-thirds through the movie, she has this really important conversation with her father. And she asks this question, and I'm, I'm sure it's a question that would resonate for you. It's probably a question that you've asked this of yourself as well. She says, I guess I wonder sometimes if people ever stay together for good, you know, like people in love. And then she, later on, she phrases a different way. She says, Dad, I just need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. Have you ever asked that question yourself? Like, I, I think we, we understand what it is being, being together and being married together forever, but I'm talking about being in love forever. Is that even possible? You know, and I think there's something within all of us, even if our experience has not been the best, even if we've grown up in a dysfunctional home, even if we look around us and we see where marriages have fallen apart, there's something within all of us that just wants to believe it's possible. You want to believe that a marriage could be awesome. You want to believe that maybe it could be for me that, you know, one day when my spouse and I are really old and gray and wrinkly and we're, we're in the nursing home and we're, we're walking together hand in hand and we sit down and we eat our wheat bix for breakfast together and, and our hands are shaking, but that's okay because we're in love. I mean, that's the image that we all want to believe is possible. But sometimes I think the reality in our heads is like, yeah, possible, but is it probable? Like, is it really going to happen? Is that actually going to happen to me? Now, we're talking about falling in love. I mean, I could probably only need to spend 10 seconds, right, talking about falling in love. Falling in love is like the easiest thing in the whole wide world. I mean, anyone, if you've got a pulse, you can fall in love, right? You can fall in love watching someone on TV, Anyone seen The Bachelorette recently? Knows that there was this poor guy who, what was his name? Jared. Oh, poor Jared. 
Jared was in love with Sophie Monk and he thought that she was amazing and like he put her on a pedestal and he was in love with Sophie Monk. But unfortunately for Jared, it didn't work out for him because he'd fallen in love, but really there was not much reality to that, not much substance. We see it in movies all the time and so we, we get falling in love, we understand it. In fact, there are thousands of websites around the world that are devoted to helping you find a mate. They're helping you fall in love. Because the falling in love bit is like the easy part of the equation. But the staying in love bit is the hard part of the equation. And there's not thousands of websites out there all about staying in love. It's not as sexy, is it? It's not as exciting about falling in love. So I've got to ask the question, why is it so hard? If it's so easy to fall in love, why is it so hard to stay in love? Well, I'll give you a, offer up a, a few suggestions. One of the things is that many of us has never even seen what it should look like. You've never even seen a healthy marriage or a healthy marriage or a health, healthy relationship between a man and a woman for life. You've not even experienced that. You've not seen it. So if you haven't seen it, how can you then go on and be that for somebody else? So many of us have developed through what we've seen a series of go-to rules of how we should live in a relationship. For example, we do unto others as they deserve to be done to. We do unto others as they should do to me. We do unto others as my mood would have it. We do unto others so that they can see things my way. Or we do unto others until you can get them to do what you want. We do unto others until you're ready to leave. There's some of the things that many of us have learned, those sort of coping strategies. But that's not all about staying in love. That's not going to last. So we're ill-equipped. One of the other reasons that we can't or we find it difficult to stay in love is because of what we felt growing up. Some of the things that we felt growing up has a big impact on the way that we live out a, a relationship as adults. So a group did a study uh, some years ago about what was required emotionally for a child to grow up in a healthy relationship so that they would be able to contribute in a relationship that's going to last. So here's a list of things that every person, every child needed to grow up to develop healthy maturity. Big doses of these things, respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. Wow, that's a long list. I mean, who's grown up with all of those things in just ample supply? So many of us don't get all of that as we've grown up as children. So what's the chances, what's the odds of us being able to contribute into a healthy relationship if we haven't had it ourselves, if we haven't grown up with those things? What ends up happening is we grow up without all, the, all that stuff and then we find somebody, we fall in love and then what are we looking for? We're looking for someone to give us respect and encouragement and comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention and affection. We're falling in love and then we're waiting for that person to start, give me that stuff, 
that I'm craving, giving me that stuff that I really need. And what starts out as um, what starts out as sort of gentle arms around the neck becomes a stranglehold of like you have to give me these things. I demand it. I demand respect. I demand encouragement. I demand comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. I'm going to squeeze out of you all of those things because I need them. I need them. And can imagine that formula is just going to fall apart so quickly. Added to that, a survey done in 2014 shows us that 40% of children are going to be born into a single parent household. 40% is such a huge number. Now, it's hard enough raising children with two parents in a loving relationship. What's it going to be like with one? Trying to provide respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. How hard is that going to be for that child who grows up just knowing one parent? And then having to step out and somehow manufacture those things for somebody else. It's not your fault. I mean, if you've grown up that way, it's not your fault. It's just the way it is. It's the way you've been brought up. Okay, here's another thing. This is the reason that we struggle to stay in love, is that our culture these days has a low threshold for pain. We just don't like to stick it out much these days. You don't have to be hurt too much before you're like, no, that's it, I'm out of here. It's easy to do. It's easy to walk away. I mean, till death do us part. How many of you, when you first read that, thought, oh, that sounds like a death sentence. doesn't sound like fun till death do, do me part. No, thank you. So many of us don't want to do that anymore. We don't, like maybe in our parents' or our grandparents' generation, that was normal. Sticking it out was part of it. But these days, it's, it's so easy, and you've probably heard these sort of words before. You know, your friends would counsel you and say, you know what, honey? You just found the wrong person. You just found the wrong person. Move on from that relationship. It's obviously not right for you. And, and keep looking until you find the right person. If you just, and if that person doesn't work out, leave them behind too. Until you find the right person, go find somebody else. And keep looking for the right person until you find that right person. Problem is, it's not just about choosing the right person. It's also about becoming the right person, right? You've got to learn to walk through these difficulties, these challenges that every marriage has to face. I'm sorry to say, but if, um, if you talk to any person who's been married for 20 years or more, they're going to tell you there have been times where they really struggled. And they had to work through their challenges, work through their differences to the point where they... They were like, yep, no, I, I did feel like I wanted to leave you yesterday, but I know that, hang on a minute, I made a vow, I made a decision, I want to stick with this, with you for life. So if we lift it just there and we look at all of that reality and we can go, well, gee, that's not very encouraging. What's the point even of trying? What's the point even of pursuing a relationship of marriage, not just marriage kind of for life, because that's not that exciting, but being in love for life, being in love for life. So into all of that mess that we've just spelt out, Jesus speaks these wonderful words. And he gives us what I would call the foundation for enduring love. 
the sort of enduring love that I just can't wait to get home to see them. I'm just so excited. I'm romantically in love with them. Oh, man, I just, I want to think, I'm thinking about them all day long. I want to send them loving text messages all the time. That sort of love is, this is what Jesus is saying. If you want that sort of love, if you want this sort of enduring love, that's lovey love, that's real love, then do these things. And you know, when I tell you what this thing, this thing is, that, it, that Jesus, Jesus' actual words, it's going to be a little bit disappointing for you. You're going to listen to it and you're going to, well, come on, is that the best you got? Could you have just worked a little bit harder on your sermon this week to deliver something with a little more punch than just that? But I'm telling you, it's revolutionary. It's the only way to do it. It's simple. It's basic. It's hard. It's easy. But it's the words of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to spell it out to you right now. John 13, verse 34. Jesus says, A new commandment I give you. So for the Jews up till that point that had... They had the Ten Commandments and they had thousands of laws that they had to abide to. And Jesus was coming in saying, cut all through all of that and said, this is the new commandment that I'm giving to you. And if we look at that word new in that Greek, uh, there's some other w- words that can be used to describe that word. You could say it's extraordinary, an extraordinary commandment. It also means hidden and recently discovered, remarkable even. I'm giving you a remarkable command. And here's it. Here's the command. He says, love one another. Love one another. That is it. That's the substance. And it just seems like nothing at all. But but listen to what Jesus is getting at. Love one another. Basically what he's doing, he's turning a noun into a verb. I know that, that you could say that love is like a noun and it's, you know, it's like a swimming pool that I can fall into or a high chair I could fall out of. But Jesus wants to make it a verb. And I don't really think he'd make such a good marriage counselor because first thing he'd say would be, well, are you loving her? And you'd say, well, I used to. You say, well, look, just go home and start loving her. And you'd say, well, hang on a minute. I don't have love. I'm all out of love. My love tank has run dry and there's no love to give. And Jesus would say, no, 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 you're thinking of it like a noun. I want you to turn it into a verb. I want you to love by doing it. And in the doing it, you'll start to feel it. For so many in that situation, they want to feel it. And so they think back to themselves, when was the last time that I fell in love? Oh, that's right, at the beginning of the relationship. And it just felt so wonderful. I know what I'll do. I'll leave this person and I'll go find another relationship where I can have those feelings back. And you can see that the cycle of failure that could emerge from that sort of strategy. Jesus was saying, I want you to make it a verb. Make it a verb. So this is what I want you to remember. The foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. Do you like that pregnant pause? The foundation, few people got it. The foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. Can you say it with me? The foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. You have to make it a verb, otherwise it's not really love. You know, so many of us, we make the feeling 
we want the feeling to come first and then everything else. But the feelings really follow. The feelings come later. You know, in the, if you think of a train, the feelings is the little carriage at the very back, the caboose. The feelings at the beginning of the relationship are up the front, but very quickly the feelings go at the back of the train. The feelings come later. It's more about the doing first and the feelings will come later. And, and I've got a little secret for you, okay? It's just between you and me. Don't tell anybody else. But the more you make love a verb, the more you'll make love, okay? It's a little secret for those who are missing out. So it doesn't stop there. Jesus goes on and he says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he's giving people context for what love should look like. We shouldn't be taking our cues from culture. We shouldn't be looking around us going, what should love look like? And, and taking our cues from all of those marriages we see around us. You know that marriage. Well, they've been married for 20 years, but they live in separate bedrooms now and they've got separate kitchens. And, you know, if he went on a holiday, I think he'd prefer to go on holidays with the dog than actually go on holidays with her. Don't take our cues from culture around us. We need to take our cues from Jesus Christ and what was his example of what love should actually look like. So to stay in love, you've got to make love a verb. You've got to do it. So the Apostle Paul, many years later, he comes along and he says it, those very same things, in a slightly different way. He says it in a way that's a little bit more challenging, I would say. It's a little bit harder. It's almost like got a little barb on it. But he says it in Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Oh, we love that word submit, don't we? Submit. Submit. That, that's the same as love, but it's a harder word to swallow, isn't it? It's a, it's a more difficult word. But what he's saying, what Paul is getting at, is the starting point of love is this idea of mutual submission. It's about, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, honestly, I want you to go first. And so before you know it, there's a big fight about who's going first. That's so different than saying me first, me, no, me first, no, me first, no, me first. The, the sort of fight of mutual submission is going to turn into love, right? Because I'm putting myself under you. I'm coming in underneath. How can I serve you? Mutual submission. And if you can see it in practice, if you can see it in a relationship, in a marriage, it's a powerful, energetic thing. What he's saying is to verb one another, is to love one another with action. And it's not about, like, you know, who's the guy in the relationship. It's not about who's the older person. It's not about who's the smartest person in the relationship. It's not about any of those things. There's no priority. Paul is saying, submit yourself to one another. Submit to one another. There's, everything's off the table. Everything is love. Everything, everybody needs to submit yourself. Put yourself underneath the other person. Now, this is the imperative where he says, for Christ's sake, out of reverence for Christ. And you see many people, and this, this is so stunning to me when I see it, but you see somebody grow up in a dysfunctional home, in a less than perfect environment, and at some point they find Christ. And it changes the way that they live their life. 
and they get married to somebody else who's also grown up in a dysfunctional home. And they've found Christ, and they get married, and what they build together is something extraordinary, which bucks the trend, which is so different from what their experience has been. Because they've learned, they've looked at Christ as their model for life. They've looked at Him, and they've been challenged by that, and they've made a decision internally to learn to love the way that He loved, to learn to live the way that He lived, and it's influenced their marriage. And the amazing thing about that is, instead of repeating history and going on from generation to generation, they've broken that, they've broken that from their past, and they're stepping into something brand new. And they're stepping into something they can influence their children to give them the things that they're desiring. What did I say? All of these things, respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. Why? Because Christ is influencing their life. So my take-home is this. Mutually submit to each other every day. And if you can do that, you can maintain something amazing that's going to last a whole lifetime. And it can even get better. It can even get better. 16 years of marriage, Christy and I, and I was still spring chickens in some people's eyes, but um, wow, the richness and the wonder of our marriage is way better than it was when we first started. Way better, way richer, way more wonderful. Why? Because we've learnt... I guess, and we're still learning to submit ourselves to one another, to serve one another, even when we don't feel like it, when the feelings aren't quite there. If we do it, the passion comes, the feelings come. It's so much better than what you hear where people say, you know, you hear it in songs a lot, I want you, baby, or I need you, honey, or you got what I want, you're the one. I mean, that's nice for a song, but it's not going to last, it's not going to help for a relationship to last a loving relationship that's going to last. You know, uh, why do you think romantic comedy movies are just so short? They're so short because if they kept going, there'd be another problem. There'd be another crisis and be like, oh, here we go again. But they, they cut the movie off just as they kind of resolve their difference. It's not like it's going to be like that forever. Reality is this. Well, I've got to keep submitting myself. I've got to keep putting myself under that person, to love them, to serve them. And if you can do that, and if you're willing to say that I will keep doing that, you will build a marriage that's going to last. Now, guys, that is an introduction, okay? That's the hors d'oeuvre. That's the entree. Because you might be saying, well, hang on a minute. That's not, I need no details. I need them to get it between the eyes. I need them to understand some things. We're going to talk through some details in the coming weeks. So don't give up. Don't lose heart. Um, we're going to walk through some stuff together, and I hope that it's going to be a rich experience for you. It's going to help you enrich your marriage, your relationship, your future marriage, your future relationships.